You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Lee, or Photos by DLEE. Doing a bit of a catch-up here because, you know, I did the review the previous fortnight and, you know, skipped it between then as well. To be honest, almost skipped today. I just had my Pfizer shot the previous day of this recording. So on the Saturday, feel like horrible. So my booster shot to be specific, I had the booster, had barely any reaction to the first one. Second one was, um, no, the first one, sorry, I had a bad reaction. Not too bad, but you know, I actually felt it. Second one, pretty much nothing. And now this third one, got a headache, very lightheaded, a bit nauseous. So yeah, not feeling the best, but here I am. So as always, going to be discussing some news topics, very short main topic, because you know, as I explained, and just what I've been up to, which has been not much, but a lot. There's a lot of photos I need to post on photosbydoe.com. I've got the blog post mostly written. It's just a matter of sitting there to be able to, you know, actually write something and do it. I over Christmas or maybe not even over Christmas, end of start of February, I think it was, you know, for Chinese New Year, get the Ang Pao, get, you know, money. I bought a Chromecast with Google TV and that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's made me more use the couch. So usually I'm always on the PC, glued to the PC, but because the Chromecast, you can actually connect to it with headphones. It makes it a lot easier because my TV was like a 2016 model, I think. So it just cut off when it comes to having certain apps and having Bluetooth built in and all that kind of stuff. So previously, if I wanted to watch WWE, for example, I'd have to use my PS5. And I because the PS5 doesn't really support third-party headphones natively either, I'd have to have, you know, an aux cable plugged into the controller. So say I want to get up and get a drink of water or something, then I'd have to carry the controller with me and then hope I don't hit, you know, the back button, skip button, exit, that kind of stuff in the middle of a, a live event, which I'd done before. Now, because, you know, especially with Android, I managed to sideload the WWE app onto Google TV. So now I can watch WWE natively from the TV. And, you know, we signed up for Netflix again. So I've just been watching really old shows I've never seen, such as like Stranger Things. So I was completely addicted to that. Every single night I'm watching that. And, you know, on the couch, like it's a bit hard. I don't have a laptop. I have the tablet, but not quite the same. So it's very hard to actually get anything done because of that. So hopefully get back to normal soon. But at the same time, I'm really enjoying it on the couch. So as you know, catch up with reviews, done the 85. The 35 one is, I'd say, 85 to 90% done. This time, I'm not waiting on any images. I guess all I really would need to do is take the cover image. And that's, you know, pretty quick and easy. If I do release it, I think it would likely be within the next fortnight. So it will probably, you know, instead of doing another podcast in two weeks time, it'll just be the review than the normal one. Like, just for that for a bit until I sort of catch up on these reviews. I haven't got anything else written. There's no other lenses I have. You know, my 1600 to 400 still need quite a lot more photos. Even the Sigma 56, which I think I do next, still needs quite a few more photos. You know, reflecting on the RF 85mm review, the more I think about it, the more like this lens actually does everything I need. It's more just really gas that makes me want to have, you know, two separate lenses. I don't do paid work. I don't, you know, make money, don't do stock, don't do, oh, I kind of sell NFTs, but you know, you never, as you know, I don't really talk about it or promote it or anything. So it's not like a super serious. If someone buys them, I'm happy. Someone doesn't, oh, well, I'm in the same position I am now. But you know, like 
I don't really need that Sigma, but it's just more such such a nice lens that just makes me want it. But yeah, when when and if that lens releases, then I'll consider it. Kind of looking at getting a drone now instead, the DJI Mavic Air 2S, I think it was, I was looking at getting. Mainly because, you know, if I do, when we do start traveling again, I may want to get one for that sort of stuff. But no travel plan at this point. So yeah, it would just be more gas that's making me want to look at that as well. Been playing Pokemon Legends, if you're familiar with it, and also Horizon Forbidden West now. Those two also have kept me on the couch and kept me very busy. And one thing that I'm excited about, although it's ages away, I just, you know, realized we've got just a little over a week left of February, which means a week of summer is left, which comes autumn, which means earlier sunsets, and then come 3rd of April, finally, daylight savings will come to an end. So I can start going out a lot more. Don't have to, you know, if I go out, don't have to stay up to 9 p.m. or whatever. I can finally, especially once winter comes, be home by like 6 p.m. You know, go out, shoot, have dinner, be home by 6. My perfect kind of thing. So yeah, really excited for that. I'll probably get to use the 100 to 416 a lot. Maybe I'll even try to focus on visiting locations that really benefit those two lenses. Then I'll be able to, you know, after hopefully a few weeks or so, maybe a month for each, be able to smash out a review for those, but we'll see how we go. Well, that's it for my personal update. So now onto the news. So Sam Yang has announced, and I think very soon to be released next month from the looks of it, a reimagined version of their manual focus 135mm if2. This one is the Sam Yang AF. So now it's got autofocus 135mm f1.8, which is currently for Sony E-mount. So it has a new optical construction. So it's not just like the previous version with a slightly wider aperture, one third of a stop faster and autofocus. It is a newly designed one. The lens is constructed of 13 elements in 11 groups, six of which are special optical lenses, including three extra low dispersion lenses, two high reflective index lenses, and one ultra precision aspherical lens. Sam Yang says the three extra low dispersion lenses produce clear image quality and effectively control chromatic aberration, while the two refractive lenses and then the ultra-precision aspherical lens deliver an excellent sharpness and contrast in all areas of the image. It's got a minimum focusing distance of 69 centimeters, which is pretty decent, you know, for a longer focal length lens, even shorter than a traditional 85. Sam Yang has equipped the lens with a focus hole button that keeps the lens locked to a particular focusing distance and can be assigned with functions such as IEF from the camera menu and also a custom switch that can set to follow the adjustment of the aperture slightly by rotating the focus ring. More functions will come via firmware as well. The lens features weather sealing for light rain, snow, and dust. A linear stepping motor with minimum focus breathing, apparently anyway. The lens is expected to ship in March 2022 for 999 US dollars. I couldn't really find any reputable stores in Australia how much they were charging, but I think it was around 1500 can expect to be around there anyway, which is quite a bit for a Samyang lens, but the images do look decent, well, most of them anyway. It's hard to tell, you know, unless you, I really personally wish they'd release them on Flickr. Maybe I'll check Flickr because I think Samyang has an account on there, but that's where you can really see lenses in much greater detail. To be honest, in the article, it looks more like they've just taken images from Instagram or something, so to blow them up, the quality doesn't look that great. But otherwise, you know, if this lens was being released on RF mount, I would probably honestly consider it. Although, you know, it would never probably be at the same level as something like your 135 GM or maybe even the 135 Art. It's, you know, for the price design. The design is really nice. I, I quite like the design of it. 
for that we have bundle if you will i think it's actually really great value too bad that samyang aren't releasing these lenses on canon rf you know they re released their 514 which i don't know didn't seem to come to canon neither does this what their relationship or with the rf mount is in this day and age who knows next up is the om digital announces the om1 so this is the last camera to feature the olympus logo because as you know they were bought out so now they are om digital rather than olympus the camera features a 20 megapixel backside illuminated stack sensor which does 120 frames per second shooting improved autofocus a top tier durable build and strong video capabilities the om1 camera is built on five major pillars image quality computational photography unparalleled speed top tier build quality and full video capabilities in terms of you know iso sensitive it can go as high as 25,600, which is expandable up to 102,400, and combined with the same eight stops of image stabilization, seven on sensor plus another with compatible lenses. OM Digital believes that OM1 brings incredible low light performance to the table. Thanks to the computational photography, the OM1 has a high resolution 50 megapixel mode that can be used without a tripod, which isn't new to the camera, but is now thanks to the faster improved processor. So what they probably mean by that is, you know, with Sony's ones where you, you know, can do, I think it's four levels or whatever, you take four shots and it merges into one, those you generally need them to be exactly still. So I believe that's what they mean when it says you don't need a tripod. There is also ND simulation up to ND64 or 640, I forgot which one it was. It has a 1053 all cross type phase detection focus points that allow the camera to catch focus nearly anywhere on the sensor and is being labeled as a quad pixel AF, which is quite interesting. OM Digital says the detection precision, tracking performance, responsiveness of face priority, eye priority AF in the OM1 have been improved significantly over previous cameras. The OM1 can shoot up to 50 frames per second blackout free with AF AE tracking enabled at full 20.37 megapixels. It can go even faster up to 100 frames per second with locked autofocus and auto exposure. The OM1 features a focus plane mechanical shutter that can fire as fast as 1 8,000 second and an electronic shutter that can fire as fast as 1 32,000 of a second in silent mode. Both modes can shoot as long as 60 seconds per exposure. Now 120 frames per second does sound, you know, very, very impressive. But what you have to remember is with locked autofocus and auto exposure, the only time you'd really need to shoot 120 frames per second is for like action or wildlife. And that's pretty much always guaranteed to be moving. You may get like say a bird or something that's just sitting there not moving barely alive you could technically use it for that but even the standard 10 or 20 would be more than enough for that or as i mentioned the 50 frames per second so that it's I, to me it's a bit more gimmicky the whole 120 frames per second you have it but got no real use of it so it's sort of yeah otherwise you know something at least it's something but ohm digital rates the buffer to handle 139 raw photos with the maximum 10 frames per second mechanical shutter 108 raw photos shooting at 20 frames per second and 92 raw photos at the maximum of 120 frames per second. The OM1 is the world's only IP53 rated camera, which is the second highest level of dust protection and protection against water falling as a spray at any angle up to 60 degrees. System making it freeze proof, splash proof and able to function in temperatures as low as minus 10 degrees Celsius. It has a 5.676 million dot EVF with 120 frames per second refresh rate display. New BLX1 battery that OM Digital says provides 25% more power than the last one. 
the OM1 will be available in early March of 2022 for $2,200. An optional battery grip that holds two of the BLX1 batteries will be available for $350 with each spare battery available for $100. Although, you know, it does sound like a nice camera, considering the cost, like $2,200 USD, that's like almost in the full frame territory. I think it's, I can't even remember how much the, I think you get A7 Mark III for cheaper than that, which is an amazing camera. A7 Mark IV, I think is around three, actually I don't even know how much, 2,500. So yeah, it's a few hundred more for like a full frame. So one of Sony's entry-level full frame, Canon's entry-level full frame. There's a lot of top competition around that price range. You'd have to, to me personally, you have to be really into micro four thirds to want to spend that much money on one when you could get a full frame camera from another brand. But each person, you know, people who love own digital, will, I'm sure would be happy to spend that money on this and see it as a good investment, especially if they have a whole bunch of lenses already. Whereas someone without any gear, I don't know if they'd really benefit from going straight to OM digital. The next story is the Takina 8mm f2.8 fisheye for Fuji X Sony E has been announced. So Takina has announced the S7 8mm f2.8 fisheye lens for Fujifilm and APS-C Sony email cameras. This ultra-wide manual focus prime covers a full image area of crop sensors for what the company calls a unique perspective. The lens is 8mm but the converted 35mm equivalent makes a new lens closer to 12mm which is still extremely wide. The Takina 8mm f2.8 fisheye is constructed of 11 elements in 9 groups with an aperture range of f2.8 through f22 via a 7-bladed aperture diaphragm. The lens features a manual aperture adjustment ring that is clickless and designed to work in video production. Takina doesn't specify if the lens features any kind of electronic communication with the camera though. The lens is lightweight and compact at 280 grams with a 52mm total length, but it's manual focus only, so you know, obviously no focus motor, save a bit of space. Has a minimum focus distance of 10cm and it's expected to be released March 15th, but the company will provide pricing information at the time of announcement. You know, any kind of fisheye lens is very sort of specialty and not, may not be what everyone wants or what everyone can use. Funny enough, I've never owned a fisheye lens. I don't think I've even used one. I had a friend that got one, but yeah, that's never really sort of been my type of thing. Next story is Sigma 20mm F2 DGDN announced for Sony E and Leica L mount. So Sigma has announced a 20mm F2 DGDN lens its seventh and widest optic in the all-metal eye series of contact compact primes. The company says that despite the wide aperture and wide field of view, the 20mm f2 is almost the same size and weight as the 24mm f2 DGDN lens. Like the other eye series, it features an all-metal design. The lens has 13 elements in 11 groups, which includes three spherical elements and one of each FLD and SLD elements. The latter two elements were included to suppress a range of optical aberrations, resulting in what Sigma says a sharp and clear image from corner to corner. Minimum focusing distance of 22 centimeters or 8.7 inches. 62 millimeter front filter thread, stepping motor, releasing on February 25th for $699 in both E and L mounts. Does take fairly nice images, you know, for me personally, I don't like aperture rings. It's just me. I'd much prefer something like what Canon does with the control ring where you can customize it. You can, if you don't like that kind of stuff like me, you can completely disable it. You can set it as aperture, ISO, 
consider as, you know, um, exposure compensation. There's so many things you can do with it. I prefer if they went that way, but, you know, Sigma does what Sigma does. And in relation to that, we're now at the main topic, which is related to that. So during the 20 millimeter announcement, Sigma CEO Kazuto Yamaki was asked if their lenses would come to more camera mounts. He confirmed that Sigma is looking to add at least one more mount to their mirrorless lens lineup in 2022. He didn't clarify which mount it could be, but there aren't really many options out there. There's only Leica L, Sony E, and Micro Four Thirds that Sigma already covers. And, you know, if you include Canon EFM as well, which they didn't really mention. I guess when you talk about mirrorless, then oh, it's mirrorless, so yeah. It's just Canon Z, Canon RF, and Fuji X, which they don't. He also said as a lens maker, I want to support as many mounts as possible and that basically Sigma's working on it. He also said that they might be able to add at least one more mount during 2022. I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm saying, I don't know why I just thought I'd say it a bit differently, but I feel like I'm starting to get like the Mario. It's a me, Mario. Okay, I got that out of my system now. So I personally think, you know, it's interesting that we haven't seen any Canon and Nikon lenses yet. I think they've been promising support or whatever to, to Fuji for quite some time. And, you know, the person who wrote the article does speculate that it will be Fuji that's next, supposedly. They did say at least one more mount. So hopefully we're going to have, you know, more than that this year. Uh, Sigma have said in the past in interviews that it takes them around two to three years to develop a lens. If you look at when the Z mount and the RF mount was first announced, that was around October 2018 for the RF mount and November 2018 for the Z mount. So it's been, you know, past that period. One thing to keep in mind is you already have those full frame lenses that have already been designed, which is your Canon, I mean, your, you know, DN lenses, which, you know, there's a ton, 35, 85, 105. I'm not sure if they want to make the Sigma ones like, oh, sorry for this mount separate to their current DN ones. You know, in theory, you would think that they could just use the same, but I don't know, maybe due to the mount size being so much larger, larger, larger on both Canon and Nikon Z mounts, they want to make different designs to sort of, you know, take advantage of that. You know, there's always a speculations about AF algorithms that Canon and Nikon are refusing to share their AF algorithms with Sigma, and that's what's taking them so long. Whether or not that's true, you know, it's all speculation. I even heard, you know, read online in the forum, you know, someone that knows someone that Sigma and Canon had an agreement that if they waited a few years, that Canon would share their AF algorithm with them. Once again, don't know if that's true. Pretty interesting if it is. You know, who knows, we may have been able to see the lenses already if it wasn't for the global chip shortage. In my mind, I, you know, feel like, for example, if you're making them for Canon, you'd just be, you know, adding the focus motor set, you know, sort of thing for them, the focus algorithm, and maybe change those aperture rings to control rings. And for Nikon, you could probably just port it over exactly how it is, aside from, you know, AF changes. I do think, you know, it's probably negotiations or some interference going on behind the scenes from Nikon and Canon, because if you look at Samyang, they were releasing lenses on the RF mount. They had the 14 millimeter and the 85 millimeter, and all of a sudden they seem to have just stopped making RF lenses now. It's sometimes hard to get depending on where you live as well. So, you know, another obvious fact is if they were still making them for Canon, you would think that they'd be releasing this, the 51.4 they just done not long ago and this 35.18 on RF if they were still making them. You know, even if you don't like these third-party lenses, you 
only use first party, we need third party just for prices. At the moment, Canon and Nikon, they can technically charge whatever they want because there's no third parties there offering a cheaper alternative to sort of give them an incentive to charge a bit less. So once we do get that, we'll hopefully see some price increases because, you know, I know the RF mount in general, there was just news that it had its second price increase six months or something. So price increases are definitely needed. I mean, not <laughs> price decreases and competition are definitely needed, not increased price increases. Either way, I'd really like to see them this year for both Canon and Nikon. For me, I feel like they make sense because Nikon, you know, theirs is a bit, their lens lineup currently, if you're looking purely at Z-mount, is a bit more lacking compared to what Canon have. Canon have released a lot more lenses. So already there on Nikon, it's quite profitable for you to release there, especially if you bring over all your current DN lenses. There's going to be a lot of options. You got a 3514, 81514, quite a few different things. And then if you do Canon as well, you know, you, the prices, even if you look, you still got like a current 35 millimeter lens, for example, the one eight. If you're here in Australia anyway, I think the 3514 DN lens would be around 12, 1300. So it's more expensive, but we don't have a 35 1.4, 1.2 at the time of recording. So there is a benefit there to it as well. I'm hoping that they support all, maybe they announce Fuji and then later in the year, they'll announce Sigma DN, you know, 85 DN, all the other DN lenses that are currently out there for Nikon and for Canon. It's all wishful thinking, obviously as a Canon shooter, you know, I want to have it, but I guess in the future, we'll see what happens. Well, that is pretty much it for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, or you're just in a very generous mood, please make sure to subscribe. It helps. Not really. I don't really have sponsors or ads or any of that kind of stuff, but it, you know, it makes me feel a little better. Like I can sleep a little bit better at night knowing I've got an extra few subscribers. So just help my sleep, please. Otherwise, if you want to listen to more episodes, you can go to the photographyenthusiast.com. If you want to follow me, you can go to photosbydoe.com or follow me on Twitter, photosbydoe. That's usually the easiest way. All the links are from there anyway. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. Take care. See you later.